0: This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. And today I'm joined with Christine Rankin, who started the Dress Code Project, which is a global initiative with the objective of creating gender-affirming salons and barbershops. So, Kristen, thanks for being a guest on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Michael.
0: So, paint a bit of a picture on... The history of this, because gender and gender affirming things, although it's becoming more at the forefront of people's minds, I've been seeing it happening gradually anyway, sort of from people to people trying to express themselves a bit more. And I think it's coming to a head slowly, but paint a bit of a picture for people that are unsure or they don't quite understand the history of the the gender affirming and hairstyles.
1: Well, traditionally in hair salons, um, haircuts are categorized by men's cuts and women's cuts, and that's pretty exclusive to only people who identify as men and women. And there are a lot of people uh, that don't identify as men and women. They identify outside of the gender binary and the gender binary is, uh, you know, really subject to a pretty discriminatory system that we've created in society that really only recognizes heteronormative or cisnormative people. And um, so, what the dress code project does is, we help hair salons uh, complete and. Uh, create gender-affirming hair spaces so that folks who identify within the queer community and people who identify outside of the hair bi- of the gender binary can get haircuts that help affirm their gender um, and make them feel inclusive.
0: How does that differ from someone just wanting to have a hairstyle how they want? Is it a societal thing where they're pressured into looking a certain way and that carries over into hairstyles or is there more going on there?
1: Well, in terms of hairstyles themselves, um, the way that it carries through is that, you know, if you're looking to get a haircut and you walk into a salon or you look on their website and you see that they offer men's cuts and they offer women's cuts, but you don't identify that way, you're not necessarily going to go there, right? Um, you're putting yourself in a in a position where you then have to explain yourself and that shouldn't have to be the way, um, yeah. you know? So for us, it's creating gender affirming spaces is helping people find hair salons that are more modern, more inclusive, and just more savvy business people that understand as well. Um, You know, they need to start providing hair care for all people. Is
0: there anything that the average person might not understand or might need to know about this? Because in my own mind, it's more about having a haircut that you're comfortable with, that you like, and people come up with all kinds of styles whether it's to mimic other people or to just go with what feels right for them is that the be all and end all of it or is there like a a pull towards the opposite of that like it's a pull to look a certain way to be perceived a certain way and they feel that pressure a bit more because of how they feel and what they identify as
1: I don't think there's a pressure to look a certain way I think people want to look a certain way so an individual person has an idea of who they are and how they want to present to the world. They have an idea of what their gender expression is and they want to execute it. And the problem, you know, that we have traditionally had within salons and I've spoken to quite a few people that have experienced this is that they go into a hair salon and if their gender identity or expression lies outside of the heteronormative idea of what the gender binary means, it's difficult for them to get a haircut because they can't, you know, the hairstylist doesn't really understand it and it's harder for them to explain it to them. So for us, what we help hairstylists do understand, you know, that hair care and haircuts are not about gender. You know, um, any, any single person, regardless of how you identify, can wear any kind of haircut. You know, a short haircut does not solely identify uh, men and it doesn't mean that you're a man and versus you know a long haircut meaning the opposite as well um you know anybody can wear any hair they want and that's kind of what we're trying to help hairstylists understand and um, create gender affirming spaces as as a result it almost sounds like
0: it's a a terminology thing it's like um if it's a man's haircut unless you identify as that you're less likely to go for it just because the clue is in the name so to speak and i think that if if you wanted a short one or a long one, or those pictures instead, and you want to be careful with, you know, females, males, non-binary, that sort of thing, being who they picture with the haircut, if you if you understand what I mean, it is a very tricky thing to really put into place, I guess, unless the gender affirming to begin with. It's almost like it's the culture of the salon like whether whether it's a a leadership thing or management that sort of thing someone has to take over that believes in the gender affirming side of things
1: yeah I mean I think you know um in order for for that to exist the management of the salon definitely has to understand it and um, help create a gender affirming space um, terminology definitely has something to do with it because, you know, you need to understand as a hairstylist in that space or the owner, you need to understand, you know, something about what it means to be non-binary or what it means to be, you know, anything outside of, you know, identifying as a man or a woman to be able to provide that care the same way you need to understand you know, the difference between cutting a short haircut a barber cut a pixie cut a bob a long layer haircut they're all different haircuts and you need to understand how to do all of them you know so you need to understand that um someone who identifies outside of the binary definitely may use different terminology they may identify you know with different pronouns and you kind of need to have an understanding around that but it's just also around changing the culture in a sense because again you know for such a long time Uh, people would have price menus uh, that do only reflect men's and women's haircuts. And that's really discriminatory and exclusive to anyone else.
0: I find that it can be quite difficult for some people that want a particular haircut that I suppose isn't communicated as if they're allowed to. It's almost like a permission-based thing. They need to feel like they can do it. They need to feel like it's okay For them to do it. They might feel like it in themselves, but then it's very different when you've got to communicate that to other people. Because we don't live inside our own bubbles, do we? We have to engage, we have to communicate, we have to interact with with each other. And sometimes that's where things start to fall down.
1: Yeah. Um, absolutely. You know, um you have you feel a certain way about yourself and that's how you wanna, you know, express it. But then, you know some, most people can't achieve a haircut that they want on their own, regardless of how they feel. So they have to go somewhere to facilitate that haircut. And so to your point, you know, having to go there and then explain to that person, you know, um, I may currently look a certain way, but this is how I identify, and this is the haircut that I want, you know? And a lot of people have, you know, something called gender dysphoria, which is that if they look a certain way and someone misgenders them, even if it's accidentally it can create a dysphoria and it can be uncomfortable. So we try to take, you know, those elements out of the equation as much as we can by providing education and training to the hair salon so that it's as safe as it can be for folks. Uh, I and, mean, you know, we never say that it's completely safe. We always call them safer space salons. Um, but, you know, we try to provide them with as much training and education as we can. So, that they have a higher success rate in creating a gender-affirming space.
0: For people that are, I suppose, curious, are you able to paint a bit of a picture for what it's like for, for these people when it's all pictured a certain way, it's communicated a certain way, it's marketed a certain way, and yet they themselves feel like they want to be able to get that haircut? Are you able to paint that picture for people?
1: Well, if someone, you know, um, is trying to go to a, a salon uh, and they, you know, are not sure of what that salon culture is like, even that first step is very difficult because um, a lot of folks who identify within the queer community have faced discrimination in their lifetime if they were of a certain age, you just, you know, it's hard to avoid. And so they want to do as many things that lessen the chance of them being discriminated. The dress Code project which is the not-for-profit that i own and run um we have created a directory that has over 500 salons in it um all gender affirming all um within our organization so it takes that step away so someone can type in their postal code and a gender affirming salon will come up and they can go there and they know that they're going to go there and have a higher success rate of explaining their haircut of being understood as a queer person that wants a haircut Um, so that they don't have to experience this discrimination any longer because yeah these are the experiences that really create a lot of anxiety a lot of gender dysphoria in general you know um, upset and depression so they don't want to go to these places because having to explain it all is quite an effort and it's a lot and at that point too you just don't know how the person's going to receive the information
0: yeah it makes sense and it also makes it I would guess complicated if the person experiencing it isn't fully sure themselves that there's if someone's trying to discover it for themselves at the same time that can be difficult and someone wouldn't want to explain it because they don't fully understand it themselves either.
1: I think um, yeah to, exactly in that way but a lot of people do understand what they want they just don't know how to explain it the first time around and if, if this is like their first gender-affirming haircut, it's just harder to explain because if you have a stylist that is immediately like, oh, what do you mean? What, do you, what are you talking about? Then your willingness and desire to explain it to them um, is, it becomes less because you just start to feel less and less, less comfortable and safe and you kind of most likely just want to get out of there. Um, but if you go into a space where They've had some training and they understand and they have experience, it's so much easier because that stylist then can make you feel a little bit more at ease and at home and comfortable by saying, like, oh, you're looking for this haircut. Okay, great. And describing the characteristics of a haircut rather than saying, oh, you want a men's cut or a women's cut or you want a what cut? Like, you know, so it's definitely a much more um, pleasant experience, which is what every person should be able to receive when they go to a hair salon, just get a nice haircut, have a good time, not have to worry about these other things.
0: Yeah. I imagine as well having, I guess, minimal questions. I mean, I'm a big believer in trying to understand things that you're unaware of. Do you find that having someone asking questions is helpful or not? Cause I always try to ask if I don't know, but then I could be wrongly doing that and making them more uncomfortable because they might feel they shouldn't have to answer these questions.
1: I think that if the, if they're asking questions from an educated and informed place, then it's much more helpful and the success rate is higher. Um, if you're asking questions blindly and you don't understand the, the topic, then it's definitely harder to understand what the person is saying, but also then facilitate that haircut
0: so is it a way of educating people enough so that they're not asking the same questions as 10 other people that they've been trying to speak to at the same time that having to repeat themselves all the time
1: yeah it's educating them enough that they understand um what that person they can have some sort of empathy for what that person might be going through um but also understanding you know what questions not to ask what you know, and and then finally understanding that, you know, what you're really facilitating is a haircut, you know, as a hairstylist, we're a tool to give someone the haircut that they want. Understanding terminology, you know, general terminology around queer communities, understanding some of the struggles they've gone through in the hair and pro-beauty industry, um, understanding, you know, um, and be an ally of the queer community is just going to um, help you as a hairstylist Uh, be a more, you know, open and inclusive space to give anybody that walks through your door a haircut, regardless of their gender.
0: I imagine this has been the experience for people that don't fit the stereotypes generally, that there are guys, males, or however they identify that might want a longer hairstyle that's been marketed to and communicated to them as if it's a, a woman's haircut, let's say, but they've always wanted it. Even though it's not necessarily gender affirming, it's more like expression affirming. Like They're allowed to express themselves through their haircut or what style they want to go for. I picture that being the experience for a lot of people that don't fit the stereotypes already without using the the gender affirming sort of label, I guess you could say, or, or category. I imagine people have experienced that for a long time.
1: I think probably to a much lesser degree, of course. Um, and especially if it is like a cisgender man, you know, um <clears throat> they have a lot more privilege in this world than most others do. So even if they're going in and they're like, Oh yeah, I want a long haircut, they might get a bit of a funny look at first. And and that might have been about ten years ago. But you know, still there's not too many people that are gonna be like, Oh, well, why do you want a long haircut these days? You know, especially again if it is on a on a cis uh, presenting, you know, uh, male, um, most people wouldn't question it too much, you know? Um, I think the where the discrimination and the problems have, have lied in the past is that uh, in, you know, women who want a haircut that's not a long haircut or that's not typically labeled as a woman's haircut have faced a little bit more discrimination. And then you might get someone that says, oh, you know, that's kind of a manly haircut. But the other problem is, is like, where the pricing lies people don't know how to price it so if you're going in and you have really really short hair and you're female identifying uh and they only have men's and women's haircuts on their menu price you're most likely going to pay a lot more for a women's cut even though you're getting a shorter haircut which might traditionally be 30 dollars less than a men's cut you know
0: ah so it's like they actually price things based on the gender as well am i right in, in saying that
1: Exactly. And then those people who do identify as female are having to choose the female haircut. And that might be $90 versus a $45 short haircut, which has been categorized as a men's haircut. So even though you walk through the doors and you identify as female and you're cis female, you have to pay a $90 price for a short haircut. But if a man walked through that door, he would pay the $45 price
0: would it be better to have just standardized pricing for the haircut that you want? And then no matter what you identify as you're going in for this haircut, that's the standardized price, no matter who walks in.
1: Yes. And that's what we provide. Um, my salon has been pricing things that way for years. And, um, we teach people that, uh, I'm not sure if you've looked on our Instagram account or anything, um, our website or anything like that, but, we do teach people how to provide gender affirming hair care and hair pricing we help people change their pricing menus so they reflect the hair and not gender um, so a lot of salons will price according to length a uh, shortcut a long cut a medium cut and then a lot of salons will price according to time 45 minutes 60 minutes or 90 minutes
0: talk us through a little bit about when you approach a salon or they approach you Are there any go-to short-term steps that you encourage people to take? Let's say someone comes to you and says, I just want to move the needle towards being more expression promoting or gender affirming. Are there any go-to things that you do in the short term that people might be able to take with them today?
1: Um, You know, we talk a lot. Um, We do give and provide a lot of information on our Instagram account about how to use pronouns, you know. Um, how to just make your spaces a little bit more uh welcoming? you know, put a rainbow sticker on your front window. um, you know, again, have a price menu that is reflected on the length of the hair, not gender or timing. Those are like really quick things that are are easy to change um that can make someone feel way more inclusive. uh also, a lot of folks find uh businesses in general they want to use on the internet now, so you know, um, putting on your Instagram accounts, your on your um, hair Instagram accounts, your pronouns, which Instagram now provides for you to do. Um, if you have a salon and you have a website, um, show that you're an ally to the queer community in some way. Um, you know, again, have on your stylist bio net, bios pronouns, on your price menu, have it according to length and, you know, or, or time, not gender. All of these things are going to show people that you as a business owner understand And you are caught up to um, being a current uh, and open-minded business.
0: Now, I I hear you've been on quite the hair journey yourself. Maybe you've changed it a lot of times. Maybe it's color, whatever the case may be. Are you able to talk us through your own hair journey?
1: Sure. I mean, I think, you know, um, my hair journey is directly related to um you know my own gender journey and expression i you know identify as non-binary use they them pronouns um and i don't necessarily subscribe to either gender i feel very fluid i do feel rather androgynous in one way or the other and um, my hair definitely i would say reflects that um, i think that my hair is a cross between the expression of how i feel with my gender and then also being you know more current um, haircuts that I feel comfortable in.
0: What kind of things did you start off with before you decided on the hair that you have now? Did you go through any particular phases at all?
1: When I was younger, I had longer hair. I played sports and just tied it back all the time and didn't really think about it too much. And then when I started to think about how I wanted my hair, I definitely played around with different lengths and colors But most likely for the last 20, 25 years, it's been on the shorter side. Um, You know, I've done everything from shaving it right off to having short sides and longer hair on the top to just having a completely short haircut. Uh, And, you know, right now it's currently a little more uh, length on it. It's probably what you might call a baby mullet at the moment.
0: I wonder if you can help some people understand this kind of situation and this is coming from someone that doesn't fully understand the the gender side of things too much because I find that everyone seems to have their own definitions and things you become you're arguing over terminology quite often especially in the, the cesspit that is the online world. Um, mm-hmm. What's the difference between someone that identifies as a female just wanting short hair let's say versus someone in in your situation where it's linked to your identity is there a difference between them is it like a deeper feeling try to dig a little bit deeper with the answer because I think if people can understand things from your perspective and in your shoes Maybe they can be a bit more empathetic if they meet you in person or somebody else.
1: Well, I think it's really personal. Um, I think some people that don't even have a gender journey, or at least that they're aware of, hair is personal because it's about your personal identity and your physical appearance. And I think that we live in a world where that's important regardless of whether you're straight or queer or however it is that you identify. And I think that that is attached to a lot of feelings around us as human beings, um, because how we identify to the world again, regardless of your gender, um, it does matter, and it is rather personal, and it can impact you if it's not received in the way that you want it to be. Um, When it when it does have to do with gender, um, the difference can be that you know we have been brought up again in a world that is catered to and designed for folks who essentially identify as straight cisgendered um, It's a, a cis-normative, heteronormative world. Everything is made that way. You know, you have washroom signs that have a men's icon and a woman's icon on image. And, you know, so when you're uh, not identifying in that way, you always end up having to explain yourself, which in a sense is not really fair. Uh, Straight people don't have to go around explaining themselves as to why they're straight. Um, I think a lot of folks in the queer community give that grace and explain themselves because they essentially want to try to help rid their situations of discrimination. Um, I think that also being generous and helping allies understand it just for their own peace of mind. Um, You know, I don't really believe that people need to fully expose themselves unless they feel comfortable. I think a lot of people do it because they want to help people understand the situation and then it helps them, of course. Um, But I think there's also a duty to allyship where people who wanna be allies should also look into it and research it and find out what it is they can do to help their queer friends um, feel better in this world and more comfortable the way they feel because everyone should feel that way. Um, and I just feel like, uh, you know, what we're doing at the dress code project is trying to help people understand that, you know, hair is definitely expression hair is, a, uh, like anything else that anybody would wear, it helps identify who you are and how you feel, you know, like in the seventies and eighties, we had people that really highly identified as punks and you knew who they were because of how they wore their hair and the clothes that they wore. It's a similar sort of thing, you know? Um, Most people just want to be accepted for who they are, uh, regardless of how they identify. Um, And I think that there is definitely a certain, you know, um, I think, uh, innate reaction, folks in the queer community, helping people, helping allies understand. But I do believe it is up to the ally as well to do the research. If you're an open minded, inclusive person, you just really feel like everybody should be who they are and and be allowed to be who they are, that's the work that you would do.
0: I've also read, I think, I hope this is right, that you're not just a salon owner, you don't just run the dress code project, but you're actually a spokesperson for Pantene, I think, over in in the US, is that right?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's actually for the UK division. I mean, I work with all of them. I work with the UK, Europe, um, uh, the US and Canada. But I started out working with UK first, and I'm one of their ambassadors.
0: How did you get involved with them? It sounds like quite a a big step up from a salon owner, but I guess it depends on how you got involved. So how did you get started in that? Uh,
1: Pantene came to me. They recognized what I was doing in the hair industry, and they wanted me to come on as a consultant and uh, an ambassador to help them Um, Change their message to the world. You know, they're one of the biggest global commercial uh, product companies in the hair care industry and uh, beauty industry. And they just wanted to make sure they were actually being allies in the right way. So they did the work. They found out about us. They approached me, um, you know, and ever since we've been working together, uh, you know, they're really great at um, listening to what it is uh, we need from them in order for them to be authentic allies. Um, You know, and they've done the work and they've done the research. And since we've been working together, they've changed their message, which used to be that their mission was to create great hair for women. And now their mission is to create great hair for everyone. And, um, you know, we were also responsible with them, uh, you know, in in sharing a campaign that launched in 2019. And we created the very first hair care, uh, hair commercial that featured only transgender women talking about their hair. What was it
0: like to step into that? I mean, the, there might be a company culture, there might be a brand, there might be people that are trying to hold on to the way things used to be in her quotes. How do you go about changing the culture of a company and a brand as, as big as Pantene?
1: Well, I think they were actually quite open um, and I think they recognized what they needed in terms of, you know, being a, a hair company that everyone can access. And, um, you know, in terms of of changing the culture, it's really about providing information and education so they can understand why it's important. You know, um, gender affirming hair care can quite literally be life-saving, it can really help change someone. And it can help their, you know, um, mental health and wellness. And it can also help them feel more, you know, of who they are in this world, which can just create a much more positive space for them in general. What was it like
0: for you to be able to have a, a real handle on the steering wheel of the industry, going from someone that runs a salon to impacting a company as big as them? It must have been quite an experience for you.
1: Yeah, it was really fantastic. I mean, you know, their uh, their willingness to learn, um, you know, I think was really important as well. But, you know, just being there and um, being able to be involved in changing, you know, uh, the culture of a company that is so widely um, respected and also seen everywhere in the world. You know, they're a global company. They impact every market in terms of hair care and um you know to have them on board and being a partner with press code project i mean and for them to see how important that kind of change is is super impactful for the industry in itself and it was really great knowing that we were with the leaders in that with them um and you know again creating the very first commercial that we did under the hair has no gender campaign with pantene uh you know it's it's historic it was the first commercial ever made like that in the in the um, commercialized beauty industry
0: what would you think about if someone was to say where is this going to go what's the future of the beauty industry going to be and I actually quite like the whole non-gender specific side of hair care because I've got friends that don't necessarily conform hair wise like you look at them and you think okay, they're a guy with long hair or they're a female with, with short hair, whatever the, the case is, they don't conform to the previous kind of stereotype of what hair should be. And it makes me think maybe we need more of it to give people a freedom to to choose that if they choose to. Is there a future for this? Do you see it progressing? Do you see it maybe stagnating being someone that's impacted things in a positive way, do you see it continuing that way?
1: I do. Um, I think that this, if you want to call it a movement or whatever it is, um, is only getting stronger and people are becoming more curious about it and inquiring. I mean, like I said, we have over 500 salons within our community, um, they're everywhere. We have Dress Code Project salons everywhere in North America. Uh, We have them in Europe, we have them in Australia, Um, you know, so um, hair care is changing quite a bit and the pro beauty industry is changing quite a bit. And there's a lot around it that they're recognizing that needs to change, you know, around things like this, gender affirming hair care, opening up your menu so that it is not just about, you know, a men's and women's cut. It's about a haircut for anyone and for anyone who wants to wear it, you know, in, you know, the same breath. Uh, the hair industry is also becoming way more informed and better at providing hair care for curly haired people, because that was not a thing before that we, we were very good at. So that's also on its own movement right now, becoming huge. You know, this is happening um, really quickly and really rapidly in North America. And um, you know, the, we did for pride this past year, one of the side hustles that we do at the dress code project is called the gender free haircut club where you know before the pandemic we were providing free hair care for folks who identify within the queer community so they could get a gender-affirming haircut that might help someone that's a little more marginalized who couldn't afford to come into a salon we were doing that really regularly in different dress code project salons and the pandemic hit and we had to stop but this year for pride we decided to do it again but we really wanted to make it impactful so we had 50 salons around north america Um, participate on June 12th to uh, do a gender free haircut club day and it was a huge success every salon was really busy um, so you know that only leads me to believe that this is just um, gaining you know forward momentum and it's really um, starting you know I think now more than ever it's just starting to um, become more of the norm.
0: I think that's something that will continue as you said as well. And I also think it's needed. I think it's been on the edge for a while, given how strongly people want to express themselves. And I think it's actually took something as dramatic or intense as the sort of multiple gender situation we have at the moment where people are linking it to how they identify, let's say for people to realize it is actually a big problem it's like before when males just wanted to have long hair or females wanted to have short hair i know it's a stupid example but that didn't seem like it was a big enough problem because it it was simply that kind of thing where now it's become a bigger problem for people they've got no choice but to address it and improve themselves because of it it's like they've seen how big of a problem it is finally and have decided to to take steps which makes me think okay Pantene can do it, commercials can do it, the industry can do it but how about the average person, the everyday person, people that you would pass on the street that might not look at you twice but will likely want to try to be as inclusive as possible and not say things that they don't mean or don't offend people in the way that they might not even be aware that they're doing. Is there anything that the average person can do? Anything that the average Joe and Joe Set, so to speak, can can do to actually do this themselves and be more affirming in their own little world as well?
1: I mean, I think so. You know, if you're just talking about in general, I think um, someone who, and when you say average, I'm assuming you mean someone who's not within the queer community. Yeah. Um. So I think, you know, someone who is not within the queer community or doesn't identify with the queer community and wants to be a more inclusive person, um, you know, hopefully they have their own personal reasons um, because they know and love someone who does and they want to make space for that person, but also just because they want to be a decent human and be inclusive to all folks, not just folks that look or identify the way they do. Um, I think it's about research. I think it's about doing the work and finding it out for yourself. You know, I like have put myself out there to um educate and inform people so i find that i do find myself in a position of being that an educator so i'm happy to answer questions for people i'm happy to talk to people about these things so they have a better understanding about it but not every single person is in that place because they're not educators and they don't want to be and so i think there is a, a certain responsibility that someone has to just be like well how can I find more information out about this and it just really becomes about using you know a google search or something like that um and you know have basic understandings of you know what uh what someone who identifies outside of the gender binary might be or might go through or you know just how to use terminology and that kind of thing you know really it's it's about that you know as um someone who identifies uh in the queer community I am also Uh, a white person. So I have innate privilege as a white person to walk through this world and experience less discrimination than someone who maybe does not have like a non-white person. Um, It's my job as a white person to understand that discrimination and to actually also try to, you know, not uphold it and to change it and to be an activist against racial discrimination. Um, It's certainly not up to any of my friends, especially uh, friends who are people of color or black to educate me on that that is my responsibility to make space for them it's a similar sort of thing well I appreciate you
0: taking the time to come on the show to shine a light on it for people that maybe need some help maybe need to know that this is a big thing now it's not just something that someone mentioned somewhere and it goes away it's not going away and yeah. hopefully the conversation today has been their starting point people listening this is your starting point to at least do a bit of extra work to help other people that are struggling with this and are trying to navigate life with this information as well sometimes it can be difficult to to really communicate effectively and question your assumptions and biases and all those things but Kristen, it's been great if people wanted to find out more about you the dress code project all the other things that you're up to where can people find out more
1: yeah thanks Michael. uh so um we're at the dress code project on instagram we also have a website it's dresscodeproject.com and um mine is kristen rankin hair on instagram
0: Thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Kristen, thanks so much for being a guest on the show.
1: Thank you, Michael. I appreciate you.
0: If you want to join a group of like-minded people that are all out to achieve their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, and they get the help and support from me and the other members, then my inner circle is for you. There's a link in the description for this episode to get two months free of the inner circle. So you set your membership up, you get two months free access. Hopefully I'll see you there. And I look forward to helping you on your journey of achieving the life that you want.